Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, along with contest winners. And today we are speaking with David D'Amico. Welcome, David. Welcome. Uh, thank you, John. Yeah, so uh, we originally met. It seems like uh, it's, it's interesting how when I, when I talk to the past winner, sometimes it feels just really recently and sometimes a while ago, but because we were chatting about uh, four or five months ago, maybe six months ago, when you did that blog post for us for Writers of the Future, it seems like it was just recently that we met, but it was way back in volume 27 that you were a winner. about 10 years ago. About 10 years ago, exactly. So anyway, so it's great to be able to talk with you. I guess the uh, the main thing that I'm that I'm interested in because when I read your your blog post that you did, it was you've had quite a, a journey you've gone through. So I'd like to first of all start with your experiences as a starting out writer and to actually everything you had to overcome to actually become a writer, and then we'll talk about the coming out here to Los Angeles for the event, and then what happened after that. So first of all, like how you got started as a writer. Well. Um... I really enjoy reading science fiction. Um, an uncle of mine got me started way back in the 1970s when I was a kid. And I thought, I can do this because I have a lot of stuff going on in my head, crazy stuff going on in my head. So I started writing a little bit back in high school, 1978, 77, but I didn't really do anything with it. I just played around with it. I put it aside, you know, work got in the way, life got in the way. Every once in a while, I'd go back and I'd write a story or I'd think up a story and I have all these notes. I have notes going back decades, <laughs> um, but I never really did anything with it. You know, I played around a lot over the course of decades. Finally, uh, at one point in 2009, I think, my twin brother, Dean, came up to me and goes, hey, I wrote a novel. And I said, what the hell? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that's my dream. What are you doing? I thought it was hilarious that he, that he did that, but it scared, it scared me quite a bit. And so I said, well, if you're going to be a writer, I'm going to be a writer too. So I sat down and I wrote some stories. And I wrote one story, The Lemon Thief of Manshid al-Salam, uh, which I submitted to Writers of the Future. It got an honorable mention. I thought that would uh, depress me a little, you know, not making the grade, but the fact that the stories are so good and the writing was so professional in Writers of the Future that I thought, well, an honorable mention, that, that's still a really good thing. So I submitted again the next quarter, and I um, actually won second place for my story, Vector Victoria. Which is an amazingly great story. Thank you. So uh, I, uh, so was it part of, like, it was just competition with your brother that, like, egged you on, or...? I, I think it is. I, th I think we've had this competition going for a while. Um, he's still writing with me. We write together sometimes. Um, oh, how cool is not, that? That's a brothers uh, writing together. That's way cool. That is cool. We actually wrote a story um, together that got published. It was called One Slow Trigger Day, and it got published on uh, Electric Spec um, a few years back. Uh -huh. um, he's been published once uh, himself, but he's still struggling. He still enters Writers of the Future every quarter. Oh, that's good. He's got a lot of honorable mentions, but he hasn't quite made the grade yet. All right. Well, we've had uh, winners that have gone up to 25-plus honorable mentions. 
uh, before winning and, and entries that have gone on for literally decades before they finally won. So it's, it is a matter of persistence. Well, that's the thing, you know, you could have a really good saleable story and still only get a right of, of the future honorable mention because there's so many good stories coming into um, the, the anthology. That's right. It doesn't mean the story's not good. It just means it's, it wasn't the quality for that quarter. Yeah, Orson Scott Card commented on that a couple of different times that get your story to rise to feature. That's the, that's the primo book to get published in because that's the one that is the, the cream of the crop, the best of the best. But it is. he said when he had his intergalactic medicine show, he said what he was publishing is the writers of future rejects. You know, he was a little bit tongue in cheek, but he was <laughs> saying what I'm publishing is what writers of future rejected. So it really is because him and, you know, all these other amazing, uh, amazingly talented writers who are themselves judges of the contest select what they see as being the best. So it's quite an honor to be uh, selected. And if you didn't, didn't win it, just keep on going. It's, many people get their stories published in other, in other magazines and other online magazines that didn't make the uh, Rise of the Future cut, but that's still um, it's just really great writing. It's just that Rise of the Future really is the, the top level. It really is. I've actually read um, just about every volume I still haven't read 35, and I'm, I'm kind of sad about that, but I have plenty of time now, so I'll get to it. <laughs> oh, good, good. And then 36 also is, is uh, available yep, now, looking too. looking forward to that one. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that, too. Yes. So what was the week like when you were out here in Hollywood? As a writer, what, was it, what did you see that was of best benefit for you? Like, what was your biggest takeaway from that week-long workshop and awards event? The, the most exciting thing about it was being in a room with a lot of people who knew what I was going through. They were new writers. They, some of them hadn't been published before. Some of them were just a couple of times. But we were all in the same boat. We all had the same experiences overall. And it was just, it was like a brotherhood almost. It was like, you know. A fellowship. <laughs> yeah, the fellowship of the book. So are you still in communication with any of your winners? I, I've, I've talked to a few, and, and um, I follow the careers of a few others. The uh, first place winner for um, the year that I was in, volume 27, uh, Richard Johnson, he, he's coming out with a novel soon, and I, I love reading his stuff. He is so good. Yeah, he just, uh, he just actually commented the uh, big reveal for volume 36 was done recently. We had to do it as an online event rather than in person. And he commented how it was, it brought back great memories for him watching this big reveal online now, which anybody, which anybody can see the Rise of the Future big reveal events. And it's on YouTube and it's on Facebook. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the big reveal is, is a very touching moment when you see the illustrations and you link it to your story. I feel bad this year because the contest had to the uh, award ceremony had to be put back. Yeah. All these new writers just, you know, the anticipation now they have to wait a few more months. Yeah, I could imagine. Yeah, for the for the event and for the workshop after we but we did the uh we did it as as a Zoom event and uh so we had all the winners there. And so they were all, we, were, we showed the art one after the other. And then, the, and then the writer said, that's mine, that's mine. And then we had the writer and the illustrator chat with each other 
on the uh, on the Zoom event, and then we um, just you know, um, it's not quite as emotional as when it's live there next, you know, seeing everybody. But it was still it. We got some good emotion there on that, and it was it was really fun being able to to meet all of them, even if it was only virtually, because that's like it was with your year. Every year, just such amazingly talented people that all come together. So. I think what you said about that and about, you know, everybody coming together and just, you've got all those creatives. You can't have help but have a really good result when you have that many creatives together at the same place at the same time with all the winners and all the judges. And we had a lot of judges online too watching the uh, the big reveal. Yeah, and I, and I made a lot of, you know, instantly connected with almost everybody because we were all in the same boat. We all had the same experiences. It was Unbelievable! Yeah. I'll tell you the, the um, back to the big reveal. The, the illustrations are so excellent. I don't know why you don't publish a book of just the illustrations or maybe uh, calendars or something. Yeah. Well, that's, I, that's love, a, I love going back and looking at the illustrations. Yeah, no, that's a definite uh, idea on that to be able to do that. So, at the workshop, what about the workshop? Did you um, find the most valuable? Well, I um, I loved reading the articles by L. Ron Hubbard. Uh, some of them were, you know, most of the articles were really old, but they still reflected today's views on writing and plotting and character and stuff like that. It was like they were timeless. They they gave me a lot of information, and sharing that with the group was a big thing. Yeah, we all got to to sit there and discuss things and go over what we learned from stuff like that. And I really enjoyed doing the 24 hour story where they gave us a prop and we had to write a story about it. Yeah. You had to go meet a stranger and go to the library and do some research as well. Yeah. Well, meeting the stranger thing. We, we all had a little bit of a problem with that because uh, writers in general are introverts. I think uh, we all had a little bit of problem meeting strangers, but it was still interesting. Yeah. You know, we've had some great stories come as a result of people walking on Hollywood Boulevard. Is it we did it in Hollywood with you? Yeah, it was Hollywood. Yeah. I remember um, Patty Jansen. She was uh, sitting right next to me at the workshop. She wrote a 24-hour story that got published in Analog. Yeah, a lot, of, the, the, a lot of our winners have had their 24-hour stories published in, in various magazines. Yeah, mine, mine was published in 2013. My Set in Stone was in the title of the story. Yeah, it's it's a really an amazing testament to the fact that you don't need to take a long time. It's like a twenty-four hour story to come up with a, with a great idea. You may, you know, probably had to polish it a bit afterwards, but to submit it and that they sell, it's it's um, a lot of the winners yeah, was, are just amazed. Almost everybody sells their story. It was, it was it was pretty interesting writing the story because it was in, the the feeling was infectious. Yeah. Everybody got the, the bug to write, and we went over a few of the stories, and it was really interesting to see what people took away from their prop and and how they devised their story Yeah, in such a short period of time. Yeah, it just proves that it can be done. Definitely. Yes, it can. <laughs> so now on the um, – yourself, you're not a career writer right now, although you, you probably would like to be. What do you do? What's your – vocation as compared to writing is your avocation right now? Well, I work with computers for the most part. And um, this year I'm giving it a try 
the full-time writing thing. Wow. So, yeah. so what kind I'm of a stepping up, <laughs> stepping up. Okay. That's it. I'm doing it. <laughs> yep. So how does, how does the way through my novel? All right. So what's your I, writing schedule? Novel. I, I'm pretty casual. I, I get up in the morning and I sit down probably around nine o'clock and I write for a few hours, take a lunch break and I sit down and write for a couple more hours. Good. I have a minimum word count I have to meet, but, uh, I get through it every day. Good. What do you set as your minimum? 2,000. And then what's the most you've written in a day? Four or five. I'm a slow writer because I go back and go over my work again and again and again. I'm one of those people that uh, can't just push it forward. I have to keep double-checking myself. Yeah. It's my process. It's interesting that... One of the things that I observe with the writers of the future by having such a varied, I guess, um, cross-section of writers as the judges, you have some that just motor out the stories and they're just like, bang. And then some are very slow and methodical. Some will fully outline some want to just see what happens as they write. Just let just let it go and see where the story goes. There's something for everybody, and it's the you know how do you do stuff that's the hard sci-fi, the light sci-fi, the YA fantasy, epic fantasy. So with all these yeah, different with all the judges, there's something for everybody, and so there's no like this is how you write. And no, no two writers do it the same way. My yeah. my twin brother, he 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 cranks through. He he writes three times faster than I do. It's like, how can you do that? <laughs> and he does big outlines and and bullet points and stuff like that. I have I have a lot of trouble with that. I'm a I'm basically a short story writer. I can fit an entire story in my head, rearrange it, um, get the words just right, get the scenes just right, and it all fits in my head. But with the novel, I can't do that. It's too big. I don't have enough processing power in my brain for that so i have to chop it up at the scenes and take them one at a time well that's fine though but my writing is pretty organic that's good that's good so because i think this is important for aspiring writers because they're going to be going through and inevitably people who don't have their own way worked out yet they're they reach for like okay what's the way to do it what's the way to do it? and i think it's important that people understand the right way is your way. And a writer becomes a writer by writing, not by trying to see what everybody else says. It's like, what do you do? What's your story? And tell your story. And various tools on how to do it are important, but ultimately it's your story and you've got to tell your story the way your story goes. Yeah, you can't listen to anybody on how to write. You know, you can read the, I've read a lot of articles. I've, I've read a lot of books on writing and stuff like that. But, you know, you take little pieces of that, you know, whatever you can do to sit down and put words on paper is how you write. Right. It has nothing to do with how other people write or how, how, you know, Stephen King does it or Larry Niven does it. You'll do it differently and you'll do it just fine as long as you do it your way. Yeah. And you're honest with yourself on what your, what your story is. We have an online writing course for Writers of the Future with Scott Card, Tim Powers, and David Farland. And while they are absolutely opinionated on how you write a story, how they write their stories, I should say, it ultimately comes up with 
these are some guidelines to use, and this is how you can accomplish suspense, and this is how you can start a story, and these are the points that have to be there. To accomplish that is entirely up to you. So um, yeah, you, you can't follow anybody else. You can you can listen to the greats and see how they do it. Uh huh. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to just putting words on paper your way. Exactly. So, so after you won the uh, the writers and you came out here for the workshop, um, then what happened? Because I know in in what was it in two thousand fifteen? You you yeah two thousand the the year that almost wasn't. So yeah, what happened? February sixth, twenty fifteen. The, the valve in my my aortic valve in my heart tore wide open one night. It just split up the middle, I guess. I collapsed. I was in the hospital for a couple of weeks in a coma. When I got out of the hospital, I went home, and three days later, I had a heart attack. Wow! Which stunned the crap out of me because I uh, I thought I was just recovering from something. And a week after that, I ended up uh, going back into the hospital um, because of blood clots in both my legs. Well, that def- I, I tell people that that's that's the month uh, February 2015 was the month the month that somebody really really tried to kill me. Wow. Well, they had the voodoo doll <laughs> headed on headed a blender at that at that point. Only from a writer to come up with a with a solution like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not paranoid, but somebody was out to get me. Yeah. So anyway, the um, sorry, the um, September when I wrote that um, blog post. Yeah. Just be just after I sent it into you, I went in for cancer surgery. Wow. Like the next day, I think. So, um, is this all? You're just trying to come up with more grist for the mill. Is that what's happening? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm seeing how much punishment my body can take. It's yeah, for, it's for reference for later on for fury. <laughs> exactly. Well, there's other you, there's YouTube videos now. You can go and find out what it's like to have to undergo surgery and survive it or have heart attacks. So just to let you know, there are YouTube videos you can do this instead. <laughs> I like the personal approach. I, I evidently, evidently, as a writer who's who's undergone a lot of of stress, and do you find that writing is relaxing for you or is it stressful or because now you've taken it on as as a vocation instead of avocation how do you work this the the hardest part is sitting in front of that computer at the beginning of the day it's just getting your butt in the seat is the hardest part once i'm in there i get in the zone and it's it the words are coming it's great but just sitting down and starting that's the hardest part every day yeah, you yep. gotta you gotta make yourself, you gotta push yourself to sit in the seat. That's the start of it, right? Now, everything else is easy after that. Oh, that's good. Now, is there is there anybody else at home with you? Well, my wife is working from home uh, for the next few months because of circumstances outside. Yeah. So, with um, that, is there? I was just curious if there's any distraction or if you have to establish any policy on. On being able to write so that there's no in-house distractions, so that you don't find excuses to not keep your 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 rear in the seat. No, actually, um, distractions don't bother me. I can write anywhere. I, I write in bus stations. I write at cafes. I can write in the middle of traffic. It doesn't bother me. When I'm in in my world, I'm in I'm in there. Nothing can bother me. Oh, that's good. And then yeah, I'm a, I'm very internal when it comes to that. Like some people aren't but I can get in there and stay in there. Yeah. Now there's, 
Yeah, so you said you entered the contest, what, twice? Twice, yes. Right, and some have entered many, many more times. What type of, of advice do you have for aspiring writers that would, I guess, that would assist them to, to not give up, to persevere? To persevere? Well, you've got to keep writing. You can't, you, can't, you can't let rejections get you down because they're not rejecting you personally. They're rejecting that one story, and it's so subjective. It could just because they already had a story like that. Your, you know, your story could be perfectly fine. There's nothing to do with your story. It you just keep. You have to keep plugging. You have to keep writing more stuff. You have to keep going. You can't let rejection get you down. And if you're planning on a specific market, like writers of the future, do your research. I read every volume, and you know it was not a chore. The stories are fantastic, well worth reading, whether you're writing for it or not. Just do the reading. Read a lot of stories. Read a lot of different stories. Read what you like. Is you know, part of being a writer is being a reader. Yeah, yeah. So, what type of of science fiction or fantasy do you write? What do you consider yourself um, that you are as a writer? I write very character driven stuff, mostly near future sci fi. Okay. I've done a little bit of everything. I've done some horror. I've done some fantasy. My the novel I'm currently working on is um, space opera, technically although I'm doing it from a character-driven perspective. Good. Now, how do you do your research for science fiction, for future, near-future science fiction, with obviously it's technology that is hard to say, okay, this is the way it is because it isn't yet? <laughs> well, I, I do a lot of um, research when I'm writing stories in space, you know, getting my facts right on gravity and, and the planets and all that stuff. But mostly, if I don't know it, I won't write it. Okay. So when it is something that's like futuristic, what do you consider you have to know in order to claim that you know it, even though it doesn't exist yet? Well, um, a lot of the futuristic inventions that science fiction writers come up with are based on stuff that's available today or stuff that somebody's already building or thinking about this, other people thinking about the same things. And there's, there's a lot of standard stuff in science fiction that um, you don't, as a writer, I wouldn't use somebody else's stuff, but I'd make up something similar. Yeah. And a, you know, and a lot of stuff is based in fact, and a, and a lot of stuff is based on character. Now, do you find that you're having been involved with uh, computers as a career, has that made any difference of assisting you write futuristic science fiction? I don't think so, no, because I, I don't get into computer details because I don't like to go overboard on details sometimes. Because <laughs> yeah. I have a tendency that I could, I could spend 10 pages describing a single futuristic device if, if, I, if I let myself go, but you can't really do that. You just have to give people the flavor of it. That's smart. Sometimes on Writers of the Future, I can tell who are the doctors you know, versus, you know, sometimes somebody's profession will read through the story because of the detail they're able to put into some aspect of their story. So I was just curious if you use that or not in your, in your telling your story. So I think that's good because sometimes people will get overboard in what they know to the point of too much. 
Well, in some cases, that's really good. If they're very knowledgeable and they can work it in and they're a good enough writer, but I'm still unsure of myself when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. So I try to steer away from going overboard. <laughs> yeah. But enough to, to know that when you say red, red is actually the correct color to use in this scenario because you know enough about that that subject to be able to know that's red and not purple without getting into why it's red because of the spectrum and this and the, and the other thing. Because then you will have the the technical geeks that will go and they'll challenge it. They'll pick that one little thing and say, there you go. You didn't get it. <laughs> I wrote a story once uh, called Moment of Inertia. When I sold it, they um, they offered to buy it on, on the condition that I do a couple of rewrites. And one of the rewrites was that I had the space station rotating too fast for what I was trying to do. Somebody actually did the math and told me I was off. <laughs> Yeah, it's they'll do that. You'll find people that will just they make it when someone goes into their, you know, being uh, hard science fiction and want to be able to talk about the science fiction. How Clement, one of our judges once, who was himself a um, a fighter, a bomber pilot in World War One, and also studied uh, science and physics talked about that exact thing he writing his stories and he put some there where he didn't do his the full work on it where he put some distances and speeds and stuff and back then i was using a slip stick his his slide rule. he said i didn't fully work it out and i was called on it and you'll find people that will do that so even if you're going to just put in this little thing you got to make sure it's correct because otherwise somebody will call you on it and you don't need that negative review no but i, I really like I was offended at first, but I really like the fact that somebody's paying attention. Yeah, and it's good that it was the editor and not fans. Yeah, especially if it's the editor and not the fans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on, um, in terms of, of advice to other aspiring writers who are themselves trying to juggle a, a career, when you were writing before you decided to become full-time, how did you manage both a career and uh, writing? You just got to find time to put yourself in the seat and, and sit down and write. I wrote at break and work. Um, I came up with plots on my drive, my commute. When I got home, I, I put an hour aside, which wasn't really that easy, but I did it anyways. Yeah. Um, I found time whenever I could find time, even if it's just, you know, 50 words, 100 words. You put a word here, you put a word there, eventually you have a story. That makes sense. That makes very good sense. So what do... What I guess people have to look forward to with David D'Amico in the future. Well, um, I'm completing work on my first of a series of novels, a space opera. I like to bill it as Cinderella meets the Foundation Trilogy. It, the first book is called Relics of Innocence, and it's based. Uh, the whole series is based on a story I wrote called Relics of Empire. It was published in Mythic a couple of years ago. It's big picture, and I'm usually not a big picture guy, but I'm doing it from a character-driven perspective. So um, it's come up pretty good so far, and I'm hoping that it works its way through. Yeah. And, of course, of course, I continue writing stories. Um, just last month, I placed in the top ten for the um, Jim Bean Memorial Science Fiction Award. Yeah, I saw I'm that. Kind of That's great. Congratulations that. on that. I write for that every year, too. But, um, but I write... I continue writing stories because I'm basically a short story writer. 
but I'm trying the novel thing. Yeah, well, that I think it's important that a writer writes and keep on going, and that you're now moving from short fiction into uh, novels is is great, and I very look forward to that. Where are you looking to have that as a 2020 release still? Yes, I think I may be able to finish it uh, in time to get it to a publisher. Uh, hopefully, they'll pick it up. Yeah, see what happens with that. I like the writing, and um, tell you the truth, I've, I've sold so many stories. Um, I think I'm starting to get the hang of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How does somebody uh, find you? Where do they go to to uh, find you on social on your website? Um, my website is dadomico.com. So that's um, my, so that's d. So spell it out, please. D a d a m i c o dot com. Okay. I uh, I'm on Facebook at author D A D'Amico. I have a Twitter handle, but I don't really Twitter that often. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So people can find your your short fiction by going to those those pages to see where it is. Yep, I have lists of um, my sold stories and. I have collections of, of previously published stories available on Amazon, uh, three or four collections with my science fiction, my horror, and some of my flash fiction, all stuff that's been sold in different uh, magazines, different venues, and there's a list of every, everything I've sold and where, it's, where it is. That's great. That's great. So any other last bit of advice you'd like to, or last thing you'd like to say while we wrap up here? Yes. Everybody should be trying to write for writers of the future. It's worth it. It's definitely worth it. It was the experience of a lifetime for me. You know, read the books and write the stories. Even if you don't get published, you don't get picked, you don't win, it's still worth doing. That's great. Thank you very much, David. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart, and Spotify. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elrond Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. And thank you again very much, David. Thank you very much. 